I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better. I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Aaron Resnitz. We are sitting in beautiful, sunny Long Beach, California, uh, with Chef Luz Navarro. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you uh, for having us. So, Long Beach is going through a bit of a revitalization uh, as far as food culture and putting itself on the map, not just as 
Greater Los Angeles, but its own city, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, we've always looked at ourselves here in Long Beach as, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, L.A.'s, you know, L.A. proper, I should say, or sure, what they sure. call uh, L.A. Midtown, as the, you know, the stepsister, the evil stepsister, a little bit down in the south. But, um, yeah, I'd say, you know, within the last easily four or five years, we've just really taken some big steps forward to... Um, to put Long Beach on the map, not just necessarily, yeah, like you mentioned, um, as a greater L.A. Uh, scene, but as a Long Beach scene, you know, period. Yeah. So you you were sort of born into the culinary world, right? I mean, talk about the tradition, starting all the way back with your grandmother, even before your grandmother. Was your grandmother just the first person you came into contact, but her recipes were like her mother's and her mother's mother's and et cetera? Pretty much, you know, and <clears throat> it's really funny and kind of interesting when, you know, you'll hear it or, you know, you'll kind of watch it in a sitcom on TV, but um, when you do have those Mexican grandmothers or the Mexican mothers, they really are, you know, like that controlling and, you know, aggressive to be able to keep those cultures and those traditions alive. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a product of that, you know, and I kind of grew with that and you know, and then there's even family conflicts where, you know, uh, on my mother's side, and then there's a recipe that's from my father's side, and then, you know, the father's side family is like, that was our recipe, you know, and your mother, you know, learned that from our <laughs> grandma, and, you know, everybody's always trying to, like, call the dibs, you know, on whose recipe it is. I mean, what happens when there's two grandmothers? How do you pick which recipes to cook, or does it... You know, it's sort of like, uh, all right, you got, you have the chili rellenos, okay, so we're going to do a sada our way. Like, how do you figure it out? Well, <laughs> pretty much what we did, we, we had a disconnect, you know, we had a disconnect from it because it literally will become, you know, this emotional wow. family battle of, you know, whose is better, or whose was, you know, done first, or who learned what from who, um, you know, and really what we've done now is we've, you know, at Lola's, we've kind of gathered what we call our staple items. Sure. And those are our staple items that are traditional, you know, home-cooked style, which are our family recipes. And then from there, we've started to devise, you know, my own style of recipes of from there. And that's kind of helped loosen us up a little bit, too, you know, of the family recipe tensions. Now, your father was a chef as well, right? But he did, like, classical French. French cuisine. <laughs> was that because there was just too much pressure at home? He's like, I can't keep up with my mom and my mother-in-law. Well, that one, I think, was more, like, out of <laughs> uh, necessity, uh, I would say. You know, because uh, so I'm first generation here in the States. Sure. And my family's from Guadalajara, Mexico. So uh, my dad, he came here to the States in... 1967, I believe, mm -hmm. and he was coming to buy a car. You know, he had, I think it was like a Ford Galaxy 500, which is classic. Was his like dream car, and he sure. was supposedly he was going to come here, work for a few months, make some money, buy this Ford Galaxy, and then drive it back to Alhada. Well, you know, he never came. He never went back home. He, um, stuck here. You know, actually, he landed here in Long Beach, interestingly enough, and you know he got a position at a French restaurant huh. and then just started really growing from the bottom up and then was trained, you know, and then sent to UCLA through their culinary program. That's amazing. Um, 
yeah, super, super interesting story that I guess you could never I get, mean, you know. That seems like a unique thing that would happen that may not even happen, that would never happen today. Yeah, you know, I don't know if there's even institutions now that are offering opportunities like that. Yeah. But it really was a unique opportunity at the time. You know, to start off, you know, he started off, I think, as a dish and then moved up and then started prepping and then from there. And then the company really kind of grabbed him and put him under their wing. And, Which company was it? Uh, the Velvet Turtle. Okay. Yeah, the Velvet Turtle. And it's a, they were a big seven, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, real classical French style cuisine. Um, and yeah, and that's, that's kind of how he... And so, uh, when did you start getting in the kitchen? Like, how did that, was it, you know, your job to, like, blister the peppers and rub the skin off? Like, did it, was it just, like, immediately just, all right, as soon as you are old enough to walk, you're going to start helping out? Pretty much. Um, and it wasn't necessarily, like, uh, to get us out there and get us working, but uh, my mother worked, you know, she, she was a housekeeper. She cleaned homes uh, for a living. So if she had a Saturday gig going, mm-hmm. um, it was my dad's responsibility to figure out what he was going to do with the kids, you know. So for him, I mean, it was the '80s too, so it was totally different. There's no child there. Yeah, it was. Back you then. know, at that time it was all good. So he'd literally grab myself and my sister. We'd show up on Saturday morning. You know, it was like 8 a.m. in the morning, and we'd get to pitting strawberries, peeling carrots. Uh, he'd give us like real simple, like a vinaigrette recipes that we'd make and you know this big Hobart mixer oh yeah you know mind you I'm I don't know like seven years old at the time and can't even serve the lid right and uh you know and our big you know I laugh about it because now it's memory for us and we of course but you know he would always you know uh what's the word um I'm drawing to blame. But oh reward us. Okay. He would always reward us with like a big slice of cheesecake and a glass of milk. Great. You know, and as a kid, I mean that was pretty much all we were looking forward to. And in his mind it's like, I don't have to pay these wages. <laughs> exactly. like the cheapest the cheapest labor I yeah. can get. Slice of, <laughs> slice of day old cake and milk. Um, and so at what point was it did it go from like being a chore to to being a thought of going, I wanna actually make this something that I do all the time. Did you see the benefits of being in the kitchen and did you fall in love earlier or did it take a long time to get there? You know, it took me a while to get there. And the reason being is, you know, the fact that my dad was an executive chef. So, um, you know, when you're working in the kitchen, I think this is one thing that a lot of folks don't really necessarily take into consideration is that anytime the mass population is off, Mm -hmm. you're on. Oh, yeah. You know, so you're going into a long weekend. You know, I'm not going to enjoy the long weekend. You know, that's when we perform. You know, we perform whenever anybody is off of work. But don't you see that as, like, that's your time to shine? Yeah. Yeah. I look at it now as, like, this is... Right, you know, our big Broadway dates, you know. Right, right. Like, you know, curtains up, curtains up. up. We're yeah. ready to rock, you know. Now we're like, okay, we're going into Labor Day weekend. You know, it's it's for us now. I'm like, you know, I'll get goosebumps. Like oh now, yeah. Now I get excited because oh, yeah. now I'm like, okay, well, let's call our fish purveyor. You know, what fresh fish does he have? What can we get? What can we get our hands on right now that's just going to knock the socks off the people that are going to come visit us during this three day. 
Yeah, and it sounds like it being a completely family affair from, from day one. <clears throat> Pretty much from day one, you know, that's kind of, I guess, gearing into, you know, switching gears into that. Um, my mother's dream was to open up Lola's, mm-hmm. which that's the restaurant's named after her. Um, and I was, you know, oh, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to start my career. You know, I graduated from college with my degree. Sure. I was, you know, I, I was gone. I was like, I'm oh, yeah. ne- not going to touch the kitchen anymore. You know, that's that's for suckers. Right. And, uh, you know, shortly after she opens her door, she gets diagnosed with cancer. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, you know, and uh, so, again, the family kind of regrouped. Sure. We came together. We came to her aid. Um, I also got to give, you know, tip my hat and give thanks to uh, the, the community here in Long Beach because, man, from the minute she opened her doors, you know, she kind of didn't know what she was doing. We'd been in the restaurant forever, and um, but, you know, her by herself, and they just supported her. Like, I mean, she was rocking from the minute she opened. So we came to her aid. We, we started helping her. She, you know, was able to really see the restaurant start coming into fruition you know, she she uh, worked it for about two and a half years yeah. as she was sick, um, and at that point was when I realized there was no getting away from this. There thing. was none. But I mean, did you even want to get away at that point when it really sort of when you go like I've been working my whole life to this to being a restaurateur like my father and like my mother and just you know honoring the tradition of your grandparents. I mean, what else could you have done? To sort of keep the family tradition alive outside of that. Yeah, you know, and I came, and again, you know, I get the goosebumps. Oh, yeah? I, uh, I came to a moment of, you know, people will say self-realization. Sure. And I really did come to that point where I was like, holy cow, like, my whole life's experiences and work has led me and prepared me to get to this point. Isn't it a beautiful thing when you, it's not, I don't want to say stop fighting, because that means, like, you've been resistant to it, but when it's sort, you go, like, not only do I love this, I mean, it's tough, right? There's tough days, but you go, like, I love this, and it, it honors my parents, and it's, 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 like, this beautiful thing that is a very rare opportunity to, to, like, carry on the tradition and share it with the world. Yeah, and, I mean, it's really fascinating that you word it in those ways, because that's truly how I look at my life yeah you know and that's really you know people come up to me all the time you know and say hey you know oh my god what's your guys' secret you know what are you guys doing you know what can and it comes back to you know it's the passion behind it yeah and the fact that there really is a love behind that and if that love isn't there then it's really hard to replicate you know oh absolutely yeah I mean nothing nothing is worse than going to a restaurant that, and we talk about authenticity all the time on this show, and it's a very gray area, and we could spend a whole time talking about. It, but it's just when you have that level of love, those years, you just you taste it, you feel it. It's like you don't even have to explain. You know, you can know the story and be like, "Oh my God, my, this is the same thing that my grandparents and my family's making for 40, 50, 60 years." But you you can feel it in the food, and even people that don't know you, they don't know your story. They come in and they can feel yeah. that energy. And it really is, you know, it's when a restaurant becomes alive and it has a soul. Yeah. And when you walk into a restaurant that really does have a soul, you could feel that and you could taste it in the food. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really amazing. 
but that's truly what I feel and what I believe. And I feel that when I go out to eat and experience yeah. on my own. Oh, yeah. I mean, eating in a Solus restaurant is hands down one of the worst experiences. It's in many ways unforgivable. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like you just go, why would you, why, you're not a barbecue guy. You're not a, a fish girl. Like, why are you opening a restaurant that doesn't represent who you are? Exactly. You know, we had a conversation. There was a couple uh, at the Lola's Big Speed Nose location uh, Friday night. <clears throat> and, you know, I was talking to a table, and I walk over, and this guy's like, hey, excuse me. Um, he goes, hey, you know, are you, is this your, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is my place, you know. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, he goes, you know, I was really trying to wonder, uh, you know, who was behind this, you know, and I'm saying, you know, it's, you know, where's your family from? And I told him, you know, I kind of gave him a rundown yeah, sure. on everything, and he was like, man, he goes, dude, I could, I could. I could just I could taste the food and it was so awesome but I now I could put like a face to it yeah you know and when you hear that from people that's kind of what energizes me and kind of keeps my batteries going yeah you know absolutely well listen we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come back talk a little bit about the food of Lola some of the amazing chefs that's passed through those doors as well and then we're gonna talk about the uh, Music Takes Good festival coming up um, in two weekends on uh, September 23rd and the big dinner on September 24th. We have Fletcher C. Johnson, Happy Birthday, hands down one of the best tracks to come out of Snacky Tunes here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Well, did you ever want to be out on the seaboard All of your possessions below the day so when they question what's your direction, you can't say South Boy and know it's bad. Well, did you ever have a daydream that made you cry for a love? Do you want to know me, girl? I can see in your eyes They look a pity for the way I live Well, I may not be striving But I'm surviving And I love the night time And I can take that
said farewell, boy. You sleep too much there, and it's too cold up here. You promised me nice so I lost my lady to stay in Tennessee, but I want her back more. Yeah, I need her here. Yeah, I want her. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Jared Resnitz, here out in beautiful, sunny, it's a gorgeous Sunday morning, uh, in Long Beach with Chef Luis Navarro of Lola's. Um, and uh, we were talking about the family cuisine and the tradition and, and the soul of the restaurant. Um, so what are some of the signature dishes? Like, what, are, what is one or two dishes that your grandmother made and you have just been like, it was perfect? Don't touch it. It's on the menu. <laughs> you know, we kind of go back to those, like, battleground oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, scenarios. But, you know, the big one, and pretty much what I tell folks immediately, you know, when someone says, hey, so what is your, you know, what's your guys' signature dish? And, you know, I kind of pull myself out from that equation. And I, you know, more or less put it on Lola's lap, you know, the restaurant. And it's our beauty on um, it's our, it's a signature dish mm-hmm. from Guadalajara, uh, traditionally made with goat. You mm-hmm. know, my family actually made it with pork and veal. Mm-hmm. You'll see it, you know, places where it's made with uh, out of beef, whatnot. But um, that is our signature dish. That's that's literally been the family recipe. You know, that's the big battleground one that. Oh yeah. yeah you know that my mom's family. Uh, uh, learned it from my dad's side of the family, and you know that was their original recipe. But um, you know, when you come to Lola's, the, the birria is that's our signature. All right, and um, you've had a lot of now that you've known for your cuisine here, you've worked with like a lot of big name chef uh, from Mexico, Mexico City, and beyond. Um, what's it been like to sort of reach that echelon of, of Mexican chefs um, and presenting the food to to these? well-known peers you know it's 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 kind of been one of those things where um you know when you're kind of looking at your life Mm -hmm. from a different angle it's it's kind of been very humbling i guess i should say and um i've had the luxury really to kind of go around and we've toured literally every region in mexico and you know, we'll go with, you know, Rick Bayless and uh, we're touring with uh, Ricardo Munoz, who's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, he really is like the king of Mexican cooking in Mexico. Um, he's kind of revered as uh, the chef that was able to hold on to Mexican cooking, real down to earth Mexican cooking, while everything else was changing around him, um, you know, and we've been with celebrity chefs and you know what I've realized is that everybody is cooking out of their heart yeah you know and it's not really what it is that you're creating or how creative you are but as long as you're doing what you love to do um, that's what these folks are doing you know we're able to learn techniques and you know different ingredients and different ideas and we'll learn them and I'll bring them back here to Long Beach sure. and that's kind of what feeds my soul is to be able to showcase these new 
recipes or these new ingredients or these dishes or even the techniques um, and showcase them to our customer base here. I mean, Mexico, I would say, is probably having its most popular culinary moment. This Not just today, but the last couple of years. Um, are you seeing that these guys who, and yourself included, um, and ladies who cook, uh, go back into the authenticity soul conversation, are you finding that there's people coming in who are trying to like just capitalize like because Mexico is hot right now, um, and not so and just trying to be like okay we're gonna do flautas but we're gonna do like crazy flautas we're gonna do you know like Peking duck flautas and things like that. I think so, you know, and <clears throat> again, you know, just depending on the culture that you're in, but you know, I'll hear it through through our you know little circle, you know, like hey what the heck you know um, why is this culture trying to get into our thing sure. or. You know, and that was, you know, one of the big ones was obviously going through the whole Korean barbecue, sure. you know, whole thing. But, um, you know, I think that it always has been popular. Yeah. I just think that it got stuck in second gear for many years. Sure. You know, because everybody who, you know, who won't eat tacos on any given day, you a- know? A- any, anyone. And it's the most versatile, like, beloved food in the world. Everyone has some version of, like, a, a wrap food. Everybody does, you know, so um, I think that the cuisine got stuck in that gear, at least here up in the States, you know, north side. Yeah. Um, and within the last, I'd say, five years, <clears throat> it's starting to transform. It's sure. starting to, it started to move forward. Like, I think we were finally able to <laughs> kick it in the third gear. Sure. You know, there's still some people that, you know, are like, this isn't Mexican food. You know, what the heck? Where's the hard shell tortilla? Right, right, right. You know, and uh, we've kind of just, you know, I joke around when we have our meetings, but, you know, we kind of just run those people over at this point because they're not going to change, you know. No. We're not going to ever change their palate. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, now more than ever, I'm seeing people opening up, you know, their eateries with that Mexican modern cuisine idea. And I think it is probably to ride, you know, and rightfully so, to ride that wave right now. I mean, the fact when one of the staples of the cuisine is mole, which has a base of four dozen ingredients. You, fu- I mean, you know, French mother sauces are have four ingredients, you know, right? And that's the base of French culture, which is everyone loves a mornay sauce. But when you get a mole and the depth and the flavor and the soul that goes into it, it's if you love food, you, you, you fall in love immediately. Yeah, we were touring Yucatan a couple years ago, and we were in the van with uh, Rick, Rick Bayless, and we were having this awesome discussion as we were driving to one of our destinations, and that was one of the things that he mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, obviously French cuisine is uh, revered worldwide. You know, it's yeah, and 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 rightfully so. You know, of I mean, you think of the techniques that they created. Exactly. Um, you know, or even I, you could say that they invented, that they imagined. Um, so they have a place, obviously, that will never go away. But when you do start talking about complexity, mm-hmm. you know, he actually was, you know, we were talking about having like a table and having a puzzle together. And he picked up the French cuisine, you know, chip and kind of moved it on its own. And then moved the Mexican chip and kind of put it at the same t- level with Italian cooking. Yeah. You know, when you have these complex meat sauces, yeah. you know, 
Um, and that's really kind of what you get in Mexican cooking. You know, when you're looking at the complexities, the layers of flavors, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely unique. And if, you, if your palate lets you get to that level, uh, man, you'll get your socks knocked off in Mexico. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, not only have you brought it to Long Beach, but you are going to be honored or help sort of spread this culture at this uh, music tastes good giant dinner on September 24th and you're actually cooking with is it the great grandson of Frida Kahlo he's the uh, great grand nephew great grand nephew great grand nephew great grand nephew of Frida Kahlo and so um, <coughs> the dinner is happening here six restaurants right yep it's going to be six chefs total and then each chef uh, was able to invite the guest chef of their choice you know, um, I had the luxury of cooking with Diego in Mexico City um, a few years ago. Um, super, super talented uh, guy. I mean, this guy, when you're talking about energy yeah. and creativity. I mean, I mean, it's in his blood. It's, it's in his it's, blood. It's in his blood. You know, and not to mention, I mean, you know, we're sitting there and we're, we're drinking pulque in Mexico City. And I'm asking him, you know, these off-the-wall questions, like three in the morning in Mexico City. And, you know, I'm literally asking him, like, hey, man, like, so what happened, like, with Frida's stuff, you know, like, is your family? And he's literally, you know, telling me, uh, you know, his, all his family stories. And, you know, for me, I was like, oh, oh, my God, like, I'm sitting here right now with Frida Kylo's great grandnephew and his grandma, you know, which, you know, uh, he was living with at the time. You know, he's offering the kitchen, too, for us to do cooking classes. And just, you know, my mind was just blown. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is really happening right now. And that the universe has put me in this position to connect with this guy. So when Music Tastes Good came to us, yeah. and they're like, hey, we want you to be involved. We want you to uh, participate in this farm-to-table experience. Um, it was a no-brainer for me to, to invite Diego. So let's talk about Music Tastes Good. Um, huge, you know, it's Long Beach-focused. Uh, super exciting. Tons of great bands. So Vanessa, the specials, things like that. Um, how did it come about? How did you get to be involved with the festival itself? <clears throat> so Joshua Fischel, you know, he's, uh, I mean, he's a mainstay here in Long Beach. He's kind of like the godfather of um, the arts, I would say, in my personal opinion. You know, and he's just so talented, just musically and uh, artistically, really. And he had this idea, you know, and a couple years ago, this was about two years ago, he comes up to us and, you know, he wants to have a meeting. And he goes, Lewis, I have this idea. I want to do a music festival. You know, Long, Long Beach has done awesome music festivals sure. in the past, but this one is going to do, is going to be bigger. This one, you know, I want to put Long Beach on the map. And we started kind of discussing it, and he comes up with this name. He goes, I got this name, and it's called Music Tastes Good. He goes, and I want to do is I want to curate the sickest, most unbelievable, mismatched uh, uh, music yeah. uh, uh, talent. And at the same time, I want to do the same thing, but match the talent and the music with the food. And that was like the beginning talks of, of kicking this thing off. And you look at it now, you look at... The lineup that's coming up oh, in a week and a half is just yeah. unreal. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the dinner. So you're doing one of the six dishes. You guys are going to be doing – what's the dish you're going to be making? The dish we're making, we're actually going to be uh, presenting a seared veal tongue taco. Okay. And we're going to top it with a guajillo uh, bone marrow salsa. Mm. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> we're in talks you know, of either getting uh, fresh heirloom corn tortillas or if we're actually going to make a plantain tortilla – um, to kind of give you a little bit of the sweet, savory kind of take on things. So we're still playing a little bit. Um, Diego flies in this coming week. Yeah. And then that's when really the we'll put our our science, uh, mad scientist coats on and just really start getting to work. And who else is cooking? Who else is uh, uh, providing dishes for the dinner? <clears throat> so out of the six chefs, it's uh, so myself and Diego, um, Chef Art from Pancha Cocina, mm-hmm. um, uh, Chef... Pretty from Restoration. Um, geez, I can't think of the guy's name from uh, from James Republic. Um, David McLean. Yep, David McLean. Uh, Chef Paul Buchanan from Primal Alchemy. And who am I missing? Philip Pretty. Uh, Philip Pretty from Restoration, and then Eddie Ruiz from oh, yeah. um, from Public Beer and Wine. It's a good. It's a heavy. It's a heavy uh, lineup. Yeah, it's a super super heavy lineup. It's super dynamic. Um, you know, we had a meeting and it was just, it was crazy. It was almost like you're sitting in a shed with firecrackers and someone's got a lighter in their hand and, you know, ideas just going crazy and, you know, just, just the group that was handpicked is, Mm -hmm. is amazing. You know, and I I think that everybody's styles and, and the creativity of everything just goes in every which way in every other direction. Are there still tickets available? There's still tickets available from the last that I had checked. Um, just go to mtglb.co. .co. And uh, in order to get involved with the farm-to-table dinner, yeah. I believe you have to purchase the Saturday... Uh, have to. It's going to be an awesome day. Yeah. Have to. Oh, I have to hang out all day <laughs> and listen to good music. I mean, if, and you, if, you, want, if you want to listen to the specials or, you know... Yeah. I mean... De La Soul. I mean, it's just, if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? if you're into that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, Chef, thank you so much. Uh, where can people find uh, Lola's uh, online? You got How's your Instagram game? You gotta get Instagram's it. rocking and rolling. Yeah, you got a really good Instagram. It's uh, I love Lola's at Instagram. Um, Lola's Mexican Cuisine uh, But yeah, I mean, if uh, anybody out there listening, you know, we'll. Be more than happy to, to have you at the farm table dinner. That music tastes good. Or just in general, just come by for. Uh, yeah, if you're in Long Beach cruising, yeah. you know, come on by. Uh, feel free to ask for me. Just come say hello. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chef. We have uh, another amazing track that was recorded live on Snacking Tunes, uh, Light Asylum, Dark Allies. And then coming up next, we have Pill live in studio here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Hi, this is Peter Kim, the executive director of MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. We're a nonprofit founded by Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues here on the Heritage Radio Network. And we want to take people on a learning adventure through the world of food. We just opened MOFAD Lab, our gallery space at 62 Bayard Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where we are currently showing flavor, making it, and faking it. Flavor features some very cool sensory interaction. Flavor tablets deliver tastings of vanilla and umami. And the Willy Wonka-inspired smell synth lets you compose over half a million different flavors. So come on by and visit MOFAD Lab. We're open five days a week, and tickets are $5 for kids and $10 for adults. Learn more about the Museum of Food and Drink at mofad.org. All right. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We have Pill in-house. Snacky Tunes! Snacky Tunes! Whoa! Hi, Mama! Uh, this is a new audition for the new theme song? Yes. Yes? Yeah, oh. Okay, great. Hey, uh, my idea for the theme song for Snacky Tunes was, uh, I was thinking we could get these trained squirrel, like a, maybe like a, you know, a zoo squirrel would know what to do, and to give them some saltines, you'd be like... I don't think I've ever heard of a zoo squirrel. <laughs> Oh, I hate What's jokes. What's going on? Hi, he's pointing at me and pointing at the mic. Yeah. yeah. No, you guys are doing great. Do you, yeah, want, to introdu- do you want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Andrew. Whoa. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Veronica. This is Benjamin Jaffe. Hey, I'm John. Hey. Veronica, we realize that we know each other from somewhere, some New York past. Some uh, kind of uh, embarrassing New York past. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not that embarrassing. What? No, it's not that embarrassing. Tinder? Yeah, we, we matched on Tinder. <laughs> no. We, we definitely met each other long before Tinder ever existed. Oh, cool. Uh, Thank God. You said Miss Shapes. Yeah, it, uh, I loved Miss Shapes. She's pregnant, just announced. Oh, crazy. I know. Wow. Small world. Um, so one of the great things about your music is your kind of conversation with New York. So yeah. what type of conversation are you trying to have with the city and also, you know, taking to mind all the influences that feed through your music? That's a good one. Yeah. Like Damn, it. on the uh, spot. Conversation with New York. Well, personally, um, I moved here because I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of transmogrified into just working at, like, record stores. So <laughs> I I don't know how that worked out, but, like, the conversation was, like, implied because mm-hmm. I had to, like, know New York. Like, I didn't work at a any record stores until I moved to New York. I worked at a Sam Goody in high school where I sold, like, Josh Groban and shit like that. But, like, once I got to New York and started working at record stores, um, like, the conversation became implied. Like, I had to know about New York music because I was a part of a real, like, long-term community that valued, like, even, like, minuscule stuff, you know, like, going all the way back from... New Age, No Wave, and like post punk, and what even was, before that, you know. What was the like first band that was your entry point? That can go for all of you too. I mean, I remember coming oh, into God. the city when I was like 16 and getting a Velvet Underground record on the sidewalk, and <laughs> uh, you know, being like, I've got to move here. <laughs> like, I feel like such a loner in my high school. I've got to move here, and then you actually do move here and find this amazing, vibrant community. So, I mean. Yeah. Just to be, I mean, also, I just want to make a point. This is Andrew again. I just 
wanted to make the point that I did not move here for music or anything, actually. Mm-hmm. I moved here for the Mamoon's Falafel. That's actually the music <laughs> that I moved here for. It's true, yeah. It is really good. It, yeah, it's, it's a, cheap. It's it, a $200 train ticket and a $3 falafel. Exactly. <laughs> well, we, you know, I was, I was on the, the road on the, in the car. Yeah. Ben, what are you going to say about this thing? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I got a lot of things to say about a, a bunch of stuff. Um, if Say you're it. asking about New York, I mean, I, I did play in a, a couple of New York bands, you know. won't say what they were. That's not really important. What is important is that um, a place where a saxophone player can really breathe is New York City. Hey, and I also, I also know a guy that... Yes, yeah, yeah. I also know a guy that used to... Um, he used to pay a bus ticket to go to New York. And he would come down here, and he would go to Katz's and get and get a, a pastrami sandwich. Yeah. And then he would go back to Boston and work his shift where I used to work with him. Yeah. And the thing is, he told me he said, "If you're a New York kind of person, that's just where you should be." And he looked at me and he said, "And you should go there." So I did. <laughs> Wait. So he would take an eight-hour, four hours down, four hours back just for the sandwich. No joke. From yeah. Boston? Yeah. That's yep. Because you couldn't. Yeah. That's that's in Boston. Boston. Yep. In Boston, he'd have to say like, "Okay, like." I want a sandwich, but you're going to have to put, like, two portions of pastrami on it, but just put it on, like, two pieces of bread. And that's ben, what he you, used to do. Ben, your radio voice, like, we've done a few radio shows recently, and Ben's, Ben, you add a little bit of a vocal fry to your radio voice. <laughs> oh, like, oh, hey! Like, you go like this, like, hey, hip cats. Like, hey, like. Yeah, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm schooled in... <laughs> I'm schooled in the great. Uh, I'm schooled in the in the great voice actors. I don't quite have the the practice. John, that they con- have, wait, John, what conversation are you having? <laughs> what? Come back to the conversation. Yeah, what conversation are you having with New York? Uh, with this band specifically. Sure. Oh God. Uh, I think a, a really important aspect of New York that I'm just learning now after being here for like seven years, eight years, is like to embrace uh, the element of randomness. Yeah, yeah. Which I think does intersect with uh, the voice of this band, you know? It's, you, gotta, you, you gotta let the city change you. Yeah, exactly. Like, it may sound cheesy, but, like, I've, I've been having all these conversations recently with people that are sort of giving up and moving moving away from the New exodus. York. Yeah, and, pe- and people talk about, like, giving 10 years at least to New York City before leaving, or yeah. else you, like, can't say shit about it. Like, you're not allowed to complain unless... You've been here for that long, cause yeah. like, don't move to the suburbs of the mind, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The suburbs of the mind. Some, some people. Yeah, jokes suck. Um, yeah, but uh, in that way, it may sound cheesy, but like I, I feel like we just, I just started like giving to New York. You have to give to it in order to get something back. Yeah, you know. Uh, let's hear a song. Yes. Yeah. What's, let's hear the first of three conversations. What's the first song you're going to play? Vagabond. Vagabond. Yeah. It's, uh, it was one of the singles off our new record out in August on Mexican Summer. And, and, uh, August 19th, baby!
one of the things that uh, I like about your approach to what we would say the modern music uh, vibe is that you have a non-modern approach, low profile, uh, kind of word of mouth. Um, how do you feel or how did you kind of arrive at that just to kind of focus more on the music and less about like Instagram and social media? And you know? uh, I, I think in retrospect, you could argue that it was a sign of the times that we approached it that way. But that was not our intention at all. Yeah. Our intention was the, was the music and the songs and playing as often as possible just to get uh, better, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, another thing was that I think, I think a big part of it was that, it, like, you have to understand, a lot of us have been playing music for a really long time. John has been playing, he played in a band called Crinkles for a really long time. Ben Thank played you. in a bunch of bands back in the day. Like, that he won't name. Sorry? That he won't name. <laughs> that he won't name. He might. Uh, well, well the, past, the past is nameless. It, 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 oh, God, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the point is Ripping that we've all, again, we've all done, like, art projects and stuff like that. And, like, the reason is that we got together was because we wanted to just, like, fucking have fun. Yeah. Sorry to, for cursing. I don't know if that's, it's internet that's radio, allowed. Okay, fine. cool. No snacky swears. But, but I think a big part about it also was, like, we were just, like, kind of, like, fuck this. Like, we don't want to do that. Like, we just want to play music and have fun. That being said, I, I don't... We weren't, like, anti-internet presence, though. I think that we ultimately felt like we didn't know if we were going to keep playing after a few months or, yeah, was like, like what we wanted to do. And, like, now we're totally fine with it because it's a tool. So you should definitely check out uh, hillpop.cool, yes. our new relaunched website that yeah. actually has information on it, yes, as it well as being a beautiful art project made by Nicholas Campolo. Well, our, our joke, our joke, the, our joke website was the thing that we gave to bookers for a really long time because we were just like, we have been in so many projects and so many bands that we've had to like set up Facebooks and this and that and Instagrams and things <laughs> like, like I have a million Facebook pages that I'm trying to get off of, of bands that I was part of. <laughs> One of them's literally named Ghost Dad, and I mean that would be a problem I'll if I was that. still in that I'll band. That. But but the thing is that like, like we made a joke website because we thought it was funny, and it was like part of the, like. You know, it's, like, so much more natural than us being, like, well, I'm deciding not to do this for, like, political reasons. Like, I mean, yeah, kind of ultimately, yeah, I guess, like, we can look at it, like, Don was saying, like, in retrospect like that. That's how like, it's framed either way. Like, yeah, that's it how it's framed. Yeah. It wasn't really up to us. We just kind of were, like, place. we, sure. yeah. we just want to make a weird website and just play live shows, and if, like, people like our stuff, that's tight, man. Like, I don't care. I mean, but, it's kind of interesting, like, the approach where it's just, like, so many bands these days come so fully formed, and they've played three shows, and they have three songs, and they get... Well, there's a weird, like, immediacy right now that, like, maybe in a way people think that they need to present the world with, like, a package. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, that's how things are bought and sold nowadays. It's, like, yeah, that's really good. So you need, like, some uh, ultimatum to the project. Whereas when we got together, there were, the means was the end, you know? There wasn't, right. like... We weren't trying to package it right away, which yeah. is... We were just trying to the, get drunk and high. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, like, a weird... It's a weird path, and it's absolutely a definitive like decision that I feel like contemporary bands make and it's just it's a way of doing things I'm not saying there's a right way it's just right. like I've, I've always been it's like, a different I, way I, I guess what I'd ultimately is we, we've intellectualized our laziness is what this <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly. I, always, I always I mean I, I always like what Shannon Selberg from the cows said and and um he said these days, you know, there's these bands that they post all this stuff online before they're actually ready to really play a show. Right. And you can't surprise someone 
you know, one step at a time. The, if, if someone sees what you're doing every single step of the way, then you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to hit. You know, think about it like if you look at uh, evolution of, of uh, you know vertebrates, you would be like, all right, well here it's you know, literally it's like, like that. you know, <laughs> <laughs> continue. Like, continue. You know, it's like well, it's like 270 million years ago, you've got you know uh, an organism that's like beginning to be able to flop about on land, and then all of a sudden you have a bird, and it's like that's surprising. But if we look at Every page at a time, like for millions and millions and millions and millions of pages, it's you're, you're never going to sit through it all. You know, if you want to surprise people, you've got to you've got to really hit. You can't surprise people one step at a time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we hear another song? Yeah. Yes. What are you going to play? Um, speaking up. It's a, a lower volume. Also okay. The first time we've ever played this on anything. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Premiere. Like we we just started playing it at shows. Oh, yeah, a but, Snacky Tunes premiere. Um, snacky Tunes premiere. We used to have an air horn um, sound. Fliggle fliggle. Yeah. Oh. Do it, Ben. Do it. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that's better. Yeah. That so that's, much better. That's so much better. Um, okay. Here we go. Live on Snacky Tunes. Yeah. 
You mentioned the website, and I wanted to go back to that for a hot second. Uh, it's really awesome. Uh, the aesthetic is super rad. How did you end up uh, with the white and red pills? Oh, that's just a dedication. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, John's vision. Um, the the red and white. I mean, I knew that we had to embrace the image of the of like the pill capsule. Yeah. Especially considering like a lot of the inspiration early on when we were like tossing around names. Originally, we were talking about like Akira, which is where mm-hmm. how I remember it. That's how yeah. the, the name came about. I don't. I don't know. It's like a that's like the game of the whole thing. But John, were you watching Akira? Yeah, I think I was watching Akira yeah, at the time. Akira. And we were like, oh, pill. And uh, the joke with Public Image Limited is, you know, obviously yeah. like also she's a pill backhanded, or, but like society's over medication, etc. Yeah, exactly. It, it hits yeah. on multiple levels. Yeah. yeah, it was just like a really uh, and I saw pill. High power single word, you know. Ben, yeah. ben Jaffe, our sax player, used to skateboard to public image limit. I did. I really did. Yep. No joke. Yeah. yeah. But to I answer your question, like it's about whether we know that band or not, like yeah. we know their existence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're aware. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. But to answer your question, it, yeah, I think it was an embrace, embracing like the image. This is our first record, you know, that's out very soon. Uh, and, and it had never it was too, let me see a pill again. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, we're going to shift from then, but like it, it, it ha- we had to commit to it. Well, know? John, another thing, specifically about the visuals, though, like John and his brother Nick uh, Campolo, who uh, made the website with us. He's a yeah. genius online. Like he's a fantastic web artist, and um, like we're all anime, neo punk, you know, cyberpunk. Hey, beer! Yeah! Oh my god! Hello, Donnie! Right, Thank you to Donnie from B Boys. Beer Boys. Love you, baby. Uh, listen to the B Boys session if you're listening to this one. They were in here before us and they're good friends. Yeah. We love you guys. Friends. Awesome band. Really awesome band. Um, but, like, I mean, you know, visuals is a huge part of what we're doing. Um, yeah, it's half. It's half of it. Yeah. It's literally yeah. half. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting because you flew so under the radar with like almost no online presence that now that sure it like the it's what's kind of great is that looking at the website it's so fully formed and it's not and it's like all the effort went into that you didn't make like a crap website and you're like ah oh, we already have websites for good thing it's very obvious like that time was taken with that yeah and it's like a fully realized thing but we yeah, treat but, it like a like a leg of the project you know like multi multimedia yeah is yeah, very important but another part of it is that it's also just an excuse to get drunk and high like, yeah. <laughs> like it, and make it and make it and yeah. make it like uh, Nick Nick his roommate um, or Art is roommates with me and uh, Veronica and we just like would come out and he'd be working on it and I would like to say that I it's don't very... smoke marijuana. Yeah. Okay, right. like, okay, sorry. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying it because it sounds cool. It's, it's like yeah. Frank Miller was an excuse to draw. <laughs> yes! Yeah! That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and so the record is coming out on Mexican Summer. Yes. Yeah. Coolest people ever. Yeah, They're they've so been great. so sweet. Like, yeah. we, we love them so much. This beer that Donnie just... The beer that Donnie brought in, I mixed it with my old beer, and it kind of tastes like pretzels now. Ooh, salty! it's really a little, little mix and match. Uh, so it's coming out uh, August. August nineteenth. Yeah, Amazing. it's in a few weeks. Uh, thank you, man. Yeah, we're very excited. It's uh, we're having a record release show in a church in Greenpoint. Oh, is it that church near Lot Radio? That Lutheran church? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. on the Goldrick Park. I, I, I hung no, out. No, it's not by Lot Radio. Oh, it's, it's the other one it's where they used to do like the. 
Uh, McGulrick Park. Yeah, I, they used to, I don't think they've ever done anything there. They, if it's yes, they, they used to do alcohol-free oh, dance parties there. Yes, it's like sober dance parties. Well, this oh, will be another dance all party. All dark. Yes, heard about that. Yeah, there I will be alcohol there. Okay, there. we'll have the blood of Christ cocktail. There will be alcohol. <laughs> Just red wine available and Just saltines. Red saltines, wine and saltines. Saltines in red wine. Yeah. She's, she's but it's uh, Friday the 19th. Uh, it's going to be really fun. We're playing with uh, our friends Pop1280 and a secret special guest. Ooh. P-Boys. It's P-Boys. Oh, it's Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh-oh. And uh, our good friends from Future Punks. So Amazing. it's going to be like a great... That's a great lineup. Great time. That's man. an excellent lineup. And Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, her. great new shirts. Great yes. t-shirts. T-shirts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have, we're going to have new t-shirts. Got to get that merch. Um, okay, well, we want to make sure we have time for one more song. Um, where can people find you? I know you said the website, but Instagram, social media, now that you're on it, where can they right, so cool is our website. Oh, it's dot it. cool. Dot, dot cool. cool. Yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> um, and then... It's a cheaper domain than dot com. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And then um, we're on Facebook as... Pill the band. Pill the right? band. It's, yeah, it's facebook.com slash pill the band or whatever. Also hashtag pill the band. Um, Spotify. I don't know, man. Just, it's everywhere. Uh, it's it's yeah, everywhere it's you want to be. Okay. It, yeah, we love you. Um, well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks to our guests today. Uh, big shout out to the family and all the people who are tuned in listening. Uh, we'll be back with another episode of Snacky Tunes next week. Uh, what's the name of the last song you're going to take us out with? Uh, we're going to play Dead Boys. It's off the new record. Uh, is it an homage to the, the NYC band? You, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah, why not, right? Why not? Heard? It's an homage yeah. to boys who are dead. Like dead people. Okay. And, and uh, Bones and Bears. Bones and Bears. All right, well, well thanks for coming. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Today. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. And can I lick it?
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.